Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's going to be a shorter episode this week. We've got some midweek games lined up, so we're just doing uh, hits from this weekend. Uh, we had four games this past weekend, some mm, interesting results, but I guess that means that NWSL truly is back because, you know, things happened. Gab, what are you drinking? You can't you can't predict anything anymore, and I think that's what makes us a, a real league. I am at the airport, uh, sitting at the airport bar, and I ordered a Tito's Texas Mule. So I have yet to have it, um, but it's vodka, O3 liqueur, bitters, and ginger syrup, and jalapenos, lime juice, and club. I didn't read the jalapenos part when Uh I ordered it. (laughs) I'm going to have heartburn in about two hours. (laughs) Heartburn on a plane. Sweet, sweet. And my flight just got pushed back half an hour. Oh, awesome. But Thus begins traveling with Gab. That's that's Gab's dedication, calling in from an airport to do the podcast. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's what happens when we have midweek games. Um, what are you enjoying today? I am drinking Poland Seltzer's Raspberry Lime. It's Is there good. booze in that? No, it's just seltzer because it's Monday and I have to get some work done. <laughs> There are literally jalapenos in my drink. I'm kind of jealous. I did have some spicy pho earlier for lunch, so. Oh my god. I don't, I don't, uh, I need to read menus better. Dude. I'm sick and tired of this motherfucking gastric reflux on this motherfucking plane. Right? Like, uh, and I have first class flight later. Ooh, a first class uh, flight? Well, ask them for some antacids. It's first class, man, right? They should have right? some fucking Tums or some shit. Oh god, this is like it's like half a jalapenos in this cocktail. If I'm flying first class, I'm gonna ask them for all the first class trinkets. Like, can I, you know, get Dude. pillows and champagne and I've never had a cocktail with jalapenos in it. Really? Yeah. Not even something with like Tabasco maybe? No, I mean I that's too spicy. I don't like bloody merits. Oh. Okay. Alright, well I got I got the pepper parts out. Okay. But the seeds are still in here, so this will be fun. <sighs> All right, here's my first drink. It's not too bad. <laughs> it's spicy. It's spicy, but it's like the jalapenos are kind of like cucumber. Oh, okay. In like cucumber water, you know? Uh-huh. But jalapeno and not water. Not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. I'll 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 finish this probably $15 cocktail. Spicy but enjoyable? Yeah. Yeah, like fresh, like refreshing. Like just like NWSL and you and me. Just just like <laughs> just like you. Maybe less me, more like you. All right. So we had four games this weekend. We had some results. We'll just go in chronological order here. First of all, we had Utah at home hosting Chicago, and Chicago won one nothing. In in front of a sold out crowd. In front of us so aside from the scoreline, everything else around this game I thought was fantastic. Well, no, uh, that's a lie. There was one other thing that was horrible. What was it? The national anthem. <laughs> it was sung uh, by so, Rachel Patton, so, right? The fight song. Yeah. The actual, she's like a, a legitimate recording artist with Columbia or something. This is my fight song. Da, 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 da. So I didn't know who she was until I ran into Meg yesterday. And then she was like, yeah, no. And she like actually has a record deal and she does that really popular song i had no idea like how do you not know the words the national anthem that's i mean it's also fight song they play it after every single national team game these days i feel like 
here's how disconnected I am from the youths and like the popular musics, which is I took a while to realize that's not a Katy Perry song. I couldn't I can't distinguish their voices, I guess. I thought it was Katy Perry or I thought it was the uh, other girl who does like Jeep commercials. <laughs> but I forget her name. The girl who does Jeep commercials. You sound like my mom like trying to get me to figure out what actress she's referring to. She's like, you know, she's in that movie and her husband um, you know, didn't like her and so he got mad at her about her friends and like, "Oh, okay." It's her name is like a clothing line. <laughs> I don't know, Burberry? No, I forget. She, she, so, okay, over the winter, I, um, I binge watched a lot of MTV Road Rules Challenge. Sure. And she had the commercial that would play on the, the replay, uh-huh. um, during the commercial breaks. Like, it was just the one commercial. And I've totally am spacing on her name, but I thought she was the one who sang the fight song song. Oh. So I didn't realize it was this other girl who totally, like, she didn't even butcher. She, like, got one line into the national anthem and forgot and started over. Like, thank God they didn't have music. That would have been, like, the music stopping and starting and stopping and starting. That's some Washington Spirit stuff right there. Wasn't there an anthem fuck up? And I think Leslie Osborne was... No, yeah, the FIFA music kept rolling and rolling and rolling, and Leslie Osborne was, like, telling somebody, hey, please turn off the music because you're playing the FIFA anthem too long. This was worse. This was much worse. Um, so I was I was watching on TV, like, live on Lifetime, and I don't usually do that. But I was watching on TV, and I didn't realize what was happening. I was just like, oh, there's a really weird echo. Like, I thought she started the song... 10 seconds ago and then she restarted and then she was like oh my god i'm so sorry guys hold on I that's ridiculous I, I really wonder what happened like did she blank she had an earpiece something maybe was feeding her you know what if i'm having to sing live i'm not gonna count on myself to remember the lyrics i'm gonna have someone feeding me just in case did something i that i would up? get like, totally confused if that happened i don't know um this is like giving me a whole new irrational fear something that will never ever happen to me and yet i'm like oh god you know just sitting there thinking about what if it did anyway (laughs) that was a you know what it's kind of like when someone something fucks up at a wedding though it's like are you gonna remember somebody's like generic perfectly pleasant wedding or are you gonna remember that wedding where there was a big fuck up and they had to recover and like keep going with the ceremony and i don't know man i don't know you know, That's a tough call. The wedding uh, or the game eventually went through, so and now we're all gonna remember Utah's big opener. Started off with a fuck up, but ended up, you know, nineteen thousand two hundred and three in attendance. And it would have been higher if they hadn't had to block off part of Rio Tinto for a concert later. Pretty good, not too shabby. It was uh, more than Portland's home opener. Ah, yeah, it was, and that is awesome. <laughs> It is fantastic to see the game growing in such awesome ways. Yeah, actually it is. And you know what? It's a brand new team as well. If this was Portland's very first game ever, this is Portland's sixth year, and they're still opening with, you know, 16,000 plus, 16,166 the official number. So, you know, still going strong. That's the most important thing. Like, big home openers are nice, but consistent high average attendance because... I think Houston had decent opening numbers too, and they're starting to really drop off from that. And then Orlando's another one. They had a big 14,000, 15,000, I think, home opener, and 
Right now they're averaging, what, somewhere in the seven 8,000 range. Not a bad number, but you'd like to see that come up. So Utah, big opener, would like to see consistent big numbers over the rest of the season. I'm going to keep an eye on or like try to keep an eye out while in Salt Lake City in a few weeks uh, to see what marketing's like, um, see what visibility is like for that team in the, in the Salt Lake uh, area. I think Salt Lake is a little bit different than Orlando and maybe not Orlando, but uh, than Houston. Houston has a lot of competing factors mm-hmm. um, in terms of big sports teams and things like that, whereas Orlando has fewer. I don't know. Maybe they don't, but it just feels like Orlando doesn't have it's not as big of a like sports town as it is like Disney. And so I'm I'm intrigued to see uh what Utah does marketing wise. But yeah, good good for showing. Um really, really positive for them and uh wanted to kinda wanted to see them get a win just so that their fans, their uh their customers could I, I, I just don't it's it's hard to measure. What is the, the loss going to do for ticket sales? Yeah. Here's something really, really cool, though. Laura Harvey and the Royals on the very front page of the Salt Lake Tribune today. No, yesterday, April 15th. Some, uh, Jen Cooper showed me a picture of it. Unfortunately, it's a picture of Laura Harvey with her face in her hand looking disgusted. <laughs> um, but... That's really, really cool. The front page, you know, it's not the f- top of the sports page. It's the front page of the whole paper. You know, good visibility. It's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the pressure, a lot of the focus on growing the game is actually on the journalists, the reporters, the folks who work for the local papers or the local weeklies or something like that to to make sure that their audience is aware you know it's it's perhaps equally as important as the outreach that the team does you know Mm -hmm. because those readers are probably not all of the loso demographic so um yeah hope hope salt lake keeps it up uh positive positive first start uh for everything but the actual scoreline and the uh national anthem singer the game itself, I thought, was kind of boring. Like, that early goal from Colaprico was real nice, but then the rest of the game, I was just like, well, is anybody going to really, like, turn up the pressure here? Anybody at all? Like, a couple times, I saw Becky Sarabon trying to dash out of the back to help increase pressure, like, push it farther up the field, get them out of the back third, but I didn't think anyone, particularly Chicago or Utah-wise you know, was super sharp. What they kept mentioning on the uh, telecast was the altitude Mm -hmm. and the impact that the altitude could have on players. So I think that is something for us to keep an eye on. I know I'll be keeping an eye on it when I'm out there because you drink less at altitude and can get more drunk. Oh, okay. Helps with the cost of living, or it would with me anyway. Um, well, I mean, it's Salt Lake, so you're still paying for every single drop of alcohol that you have at a bar because they have those little like metered things on the on the um, liquor bottles. Uh, it's a fun place to go. I go to Salt Lake a lot. Oh, okay, okay. There's not really a lot to say about this game. It's so early in the season still, and like you mentioned, it's at altitude, so there's there's context here that makes it harder to extrapolate season long. 
any kind of pattern out of this. I will say this. I really liked seeing Amy Rodriguez run back onto the field for Utah. Yes, that was another high. She got, like, what, 15 minutes? She came on the 77th for Madison. So she got a solid 15. Yeah, yeah. And she was applying a lot of pressure. And, you know, I think, I think, uh, and if she still kind of set her up a little bit, but really hyping the fact she's the most productive player ever. And, like, a lot of her stats, because it's like when she hasn't been on pitch and she's only got 15 minutes, she's actually. You guys can't expect a miracle. Yeah, this is our first game back in nearly a full year, I want to say. Someone, it was like 300-some days, so I hope we see her. I don't think we'll see a full 90 from her for at least the next month. I don't think we'll see a full 90 from her until we see the internationals really take off. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think I think getting her slowly but surely in more minutes, like, I could see her doing a solid 25 uh, next match, you know, coming in in 65th. But, yeah, I don't think she's going to be a full 90 player until some of the internationals on that squad take off. Yeah, so June FIFA window, maybe July Tournament of Nations or something. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's much else to say, except I kind of got sleepy during some parts of that match, so I hope things step up for Utah, because I really want them to succeed. I would love, even if their audience gets cut in half, I would love an average of, like, 9,000 over the season from them. I think that would be fine. Aim higher, but yeah, if it stayed I, around I think, nine. I think eight, eight, nine grand uh, are fantastic numbers. Um, I do, I do want to just complain for a second because that's what we do on like half of the show. Of course. But I want to come. I want to complain for just a second about the mom narrative. Ooh. Because I forget how much of a big deal that is, and like Amy Rodriguez being a mom is, of two, a uh, mother of two, is like that's life, right? Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't the reason why she wasn't on the pitch for a year. It's because last year she blew her knee out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I personally was getting pretty annoyed with, with the mom narrative because I was like, you guys are making it sound like she's a mom so she didn't play for last year when it really, she recovered from major knee injury. I could have I used more like real, this is what she was experiencing, not, hey, I really love my kids and my my husband and I almost said wife, but she's married <laughs> to a man. Um you know what I mean? Like the wholesome thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, but she's recovering from, like, how was recovery? Tell me about that. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? This is not specific to A-Rod, but whenever we get those narratives, I'm always like, I feel like these also underplay, like, where's her husband in this equation? Not well, not yeah. specific to Amy Rod. Because it's like, it, it creates this weird idea, like, she's having to do it all on her own, and she's got these kids to take care of, and it's like, well, doesn't she have a husband, like, who's also the parent of these children? And should be helping, like, take care... Like, they should be splitting stuff roughly 50-50 to begin with when it comes to parenting children. So, you know, if for a while the other parent has to take on a little more, that feels like, you know, something that should just happen because you both love your children and are part of the same family. So I'm not super enamored of narratives that um, are in part built upon the unstated assumption that women are the primary caretakers in the family. And that's parts, that's part of what complicates the recovery. Sure. So yes, I, Once again, I agree yeah. with that, but then I, 
there also are those scenarios like Sydney LaRue is the one that travels with her kid. Mm-hmm. Like Dom Dwyer, I don't think he's gone on a trip with their kid. Why? Yeah. Why doesn't? Why don't dads in MLS travel with their kids? Right. And Additionally, so I'm just, I, like, yeah. but then, but then I also am trying to be respectful of maybe that's their own decision, and they realize that you know for whatever reason she is. I don't know. This sounds horrible. Like more capable or better at multitasking or something. But it's just, it's one of those things that just makes me go, this is not an anomaly anymore. This is not a super, super unusual thing. Like Chrissy Rampone and Piercy like did this. Joy Fawcett did this. And here we are 20 years later and we're still writing stories about how you can play soccer and be a mom. And it's like, guys, a lot of players do this. Why Why is this the narrative? I think the the Sid Dom thing is actually kind of an interesting way to discuss it. Because with Rampone or the other players who had children while they were playing, you know, players often tell us a huge part of traveling with a team is downtime. So perhaps logistically, it truly does work out that they actually do have more time to take care of the kids, despite the fact that they're traveling and practicing and playing the game. Just overall, they have more time and they can keep a closer on the kids as opposed to the kids staying home with the other parent who maybe still has to go to work. And, you know, if the kids are too young for school, you know, maybe daycare is not uh, an option for them or something, or they don't have extended family around who can watch the kids. Which is why the Sid and Dom things, because they're both pro soccer players, so they have the same job, right? And theoretically, there should be a lot of the same logistical problems for them. So I'm not trying to say, like, they should be doing it this way because their life is their life, right? They've, however they've worked it out between them, that's their business. But why don't we see, why, 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 why did it turn out that way? Is it because MLS doesn't provide the same kind of childcare options for their players, you right? Know, I mean, that's that's what U.S. Soccer did years ago. Um, I don't know if Orlando has like a, a babysitter or anybody that travels with them. The national team does; they have like childcare options and provisions, right? Um, like that, the, the the national team will pay for childcare exactly. While those players are the women's national team will pay for childcare while those players are on the road. But yeah, I think it comes back to why is Orlando doing that right like this is not to say that their kids shouldn't be on the road but this this is just to say like are is there that type of provision is there that type of compensation for child care for extra support and why is the MLS doing that yeah I think it would be great if MLS provided an option that's like look you're the one who's traveling, but, you know, technically might have more downtime while your partner uh, at home maybe has a job. So, you know, if it truly is a logistic thing that it just makes more sense for the child to go with the parent who's on the road traveling for soccer because they just have more time, then you should see it work out that some male players take the kid on the road while their partner at home, if they if they work, you know, goes about their day. Whereas maybe instead it is influenced by the idea that women are the primary caretaker and if the parents have to be apart for a reason, for work or whatever, then it's natural that the children should go with the mother. 
I, I I think it's absolutely influenced by that, but and I think it's even bigger. Like this conversation or this topic is even bigger than MLS and WSL. Oh yeah, like, you could look at WNBA and NBA players, right? And and this this example is is prevalent throughout any culture where women are in the workforce. I think um, this episode is going to be longer than we thought it was because we got into yeah, this topic. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a quick little little touch on. But I really, I, I really do think that this is it, this is an important topic for us to talk about, but also to bring to light that you know, I, I don't know. I was just super frustrated by the A Rod is mom narrative. Like, yeah, I want to see her happy family. I want to see her successful, and I want to see all this stuff. But I'm like, the fact she's a mom isn't the newsworthy part. The fact she's recovered from this knee injury. The fact she's still on the the bubble, uh, the outside of the bubble, unfortunately, but the bubble for the national team. The fact that she has had this storied career in women's soccer. That's the part that, that gets me. And it's like, oh, but we're highlighting the fact that she's a mom, which sounds horrible to say, but it's that to me isn't the part that I'm tuning in for. We have the context, right? Because women are often pigeonholed into that identity. It wouldn't be a problem if uh, these pieces on male athletes also had, you know, these kind of glowing, fawning uh, pieces that talked about, you know, how hard it was to be a dad at the same time, blah, blah, blah. But we don't. There's an imbalance there, which is why this, you know, kind of makes you it it raises a few caution signs for you you know we're not talking about it just this one thing with a rod um we're talking about it in the context of our stupid sexist misogynist society yeah agreed agreed okay um but overall 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 salt lake city way to go continue to show up for the team it was a boring match, but <laughs> I think that that happens in soccer from time to time. And unfortunately, it was on the boring side of the scale for all the other, all the other matches. That we saw this week. <laughs> so in a way, we got our predictions right, because I think we started slow, right? Um, we started a little slow, but we were like, let's not have it too slow. We had we threw in a little more excitement earlier on with Washington, North Carolina. But what what did we say for uh, Salt Lake City and uh, Chicago? Uh, so I said Chicago. one one tie, and you said Utah was going to win two one, and the actual so score. So neither was, one of us won. No, zero points for both of us. Zero points for both of us. Next game. I mean, Next I said game. it would be low scoring, but we didn't know it was going to be that low scoring. I just, I mean, oh, those teams have firepower, and it was just not exciting. Yeah, but speaking of firepower, that all came in the next game. Washington, North Carolina was the spot. You needed double-digit scoreboards to keep track of this one, almost. Uh, I mean, at least you predicted it would be a four-goal game. It was a six-goal game, but at least you predicted there would be some scoring going on. I said it was only going to be two to one. I thought Washington might win. And you know what? Washington kind of looked like they had it in them for a little while, but then North Carolina just pulled away. And, you know, they won 4-2. I one think, game. I, so, so to me, that match was indicative of Washington is young. Yeah. I, that's Washington fair. is young and spent so much energy at the front of the match. And North Carolina is just more experienced, a little bit more seasoned, older, and uh, saved it. 
Well, yeah, look at the scores for North Carolina. Crystal Dunn, Zerboni, Zerboni, and Lynn Williams. Those are all pretty veteran players. And then for Washington, it comes through Pew. And Ordega is actually, you know, pretty settled with the team. But uh, so much of Washington right now really relies on Pew. Um, I think Andy Sullivan has got to step up. Uh, they had to start Joanna Loman because I think they had some kind of an injury or something that meant Loman was starting instead of the their usual midfielder. But yeah, Sam Sullivan has got to step up. They've got to find someone who can really hang in there with Pew on the other side of the midfield for most of the game. And I think Hatch just a little bit, she needs to nudge a little bit more, a little bit more. I also thought a little bit, we need to see more from like Taylor Smith. I, I think you and I have both talked about how she looks like she kind of took a hit. She's not the same player she was before she had a disastrous national team game. She's she's getting better game by game. Uh, but at the same time, she is making mistakes. There were some turnovers. She had a little trouble handling Lynn Williams. So it would be nice to see more from her. So Washington, you're exactly right. Young team needs to like kind of get into the groove this season. It's easier for North Carolina to get into gear because they're used to doing it. Well, North Carolina is is disciplined, right? And Washington is just out of the gates. What are we what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna do this? And they're figuring it out as they go. So Washington's gonna be fun to watch in three months, but until then it's like any seasoned team that knows how to control the pace, knows how to apply strategy in the second half, like, come on, Washington, you gotta bunker down. Here's a question for you. This is North Carolina with a midfield pretty much run by like Zerboni, Denise O'Sullivan, and then they'll drop Dunn down into the 10 sometimes if they have to. Um, what happens when Sam Mewis is healthy and back? Is she going to displace Denise O'Sullivan? Is this also going to allow Dunn to stay pushed higher for the rest of the season? If D Crystal Dunn consistently gets to stay pushed up into either a nine role or like a, a wide forward role, does that mean even more goals for North Carolina? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Crystal Dunn is going to have banner season. And the sooner we accept that, the sooner we can butt clench every time she touches the ball. The sooner you accept Crystal Dunn to your heart, the easier it will be for you to live with the results this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm just proud that the Thorns held her to not score a goal in that first match. Yeah. I mean, they didn't win, but they didn't let Crystal Dunn just run all over them. That's something. I mean, like, not sarcastically, that is something. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, it was, that probably was, going into that match, number one on the, on the you know, whiteboard. Like, mm -hmm. Don't let Dunn score. You know, a lot of, a lot of hubbub was made of, um, uh, Rory Dame's comments after the Portland game a couple weeks ago um, about how marking was so bad and he was basically calling a player out by name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but that's what coaches do. They do say, like, you need to be on them. You need to prevent them from scoring. You, like, that is the direction. And the fact that Portland could stop Dunn from really having an impact on the scoreboard. Granted, she had a lot of great chances and she did make, make Portland look a fool a couple times, but that that's game plan. And, you know, 
teams are going to have to continue to do that all season long. I called this one 2-1 for Washington. You called it 2-2 tie. Score was North Carolina wins 4-2. Zero points for both of us. We're on a roll. Goose egg for both of us so far. Yeah, What's big fat zeros. Sky blue in Seattle. Um, Seattle won one nothing off a of Megan Rapino penalty, which I thought was pretty surprising given how Seattle was kind of playing that first half. I called this a 2-0 win for Seattle, and you called this a 1-1 tie. So the closest either one of us has come is guessing who was going to win. Still, neither one of us has really guessed how the game was going to go. You went to that one, right? Yes, I went uh, and saw it live. My very first live game of the season. What did you think? I thought that as a college venue goes for soccer, it's not bad. It's better than Harvard's, actually. But... (laughs) Can you be sure to let Harvard know that a state school in New Jersey is better than their venue? I don't think Harvard's going to give a flip. They're going to be like, oh, okay, well, we'll continue to not care as much about, you know, our soccer stadium. Because we're busy creating more white-collar criminals. Yeah, all of the white-collar criminals. <laughs> I And you know what? The weather was a terrible. It was, it was so bad. Uh, there was no tailgate before the game. I think they set up, but then they were like, why are we doing this? And then they broke it down and sat in their cars until it was time for kick. It was that bad. To their credit, I we heard Cloud9 up in the press box tie a game. They were waving flag, beating drums, yelling. Although, you know what? Standing up, yelling, and beating a drum was probably much preferable to like staying alive in that situation than the poor Dumbos I saw down front who were just huddled in their ponchos, like trying to... You know, the, the Penguin movie, the march. The, yeah, the one where they're marching. I, I was absolutely hoping you would make this reference. So, yes, keep going. Yeah, and they're all, like, huddled and, like, the penguins take turns in the middle, I guess, like, to stay warm. That's what it looked like. So you tweeted that yesterday. And, it's, and it, I stand by it. image, that image was burned into my brain. So as soon as you started telling the story, I was like, Please compare them to penguins. Please compare them to penguins. Yeah, because that's absolutely right. Like when it gets that falls cold, it's just it. It became a survival situation. They were just huddled down. Um, it. We, I think we all could have managed the rain and the cold if it hadn't been for the wind. The wind was the real killer, and it just chapped everybody's ass. I say this like I was out in the elements. I stayed my ass in the press box where it was heated and dry. I'm I'm shocked that there's a press box. It's nicer than Harvard's once again. So Well, make sure you write a sternly worded letter to Harvard. Yes, for when uh, there's another Boston women's team in town and they need a, a venue because there's no soccer-specific stadium close by. Write the letter. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> write the letter. I'm sure they'll listen. Um, Carly Lloyd, this was her debut. So in the mix zone, we got Carly, and she said she invited a lot of friends and family because it's a Sky Blue home opener. And then she kind of laughed and was like, a lot of them bailed last minute on this game, though. I don't blame them. Goes back to, hold on, last uh, cool point about Utah. Utah fucking flying players' families out for the match. Oh, yeah, that was a nice move by Deloy Hansen. I just, uh, whatever that guy is on, other owners need to, potential owners. So, so what I would like is I want Salt Lake City to be setting the new standard for new ownership groups. So when LAFC or another New York group or something like that come in, like, they know where the bar is. 
we'll see who can keep up with it. Although, okay, uh, I worry less and less about Sky Blue. First of all, the governor of New Jersey was there because he's a part owner of Sky Blue, and he doesn't have to divest his interest in the team, I guess, because he fucking still has a part ownership and that, you know, they're they're out here playing games and shit. I looked up his net worth. Wikipedia apparently like speculated by the time he left his finance job and started getting into politics, he was worth several hundred million dollars. Um, and he's not the only rich dude who's in the Sky Blue ownership group. They're fine. I'm just blown away by the stadium. Like I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Like your your backing is fine, but why do you play at Rutgers? Oh, I know. And I get it. And I get it. Like, otherwise, you're playing at Red Bull or you're playing at another, like, non-soccer-specific stadium. But it just makes me go, build the stadium. Yeah. Build the stadium, or I really wouldn't mind if Red Bull or NYCFC took over the team at this point. Uh, I say I don't mind. I would I would need some more reassurance, as usual, whenever uh, an MLS team or any men's team decides to come in and become part of an ownership group but you know venue is is kind of limiting the audience i think okay so can i take you down my conspiracy theory road i love conspiracy theory road okay conspiracy theory road carlos didn't want to go back to sky blue just because it's closer to home and she wanted to get out of houston who did carly lloyd play for in europe in europe oh Man City Women. Who owns NYCFC? Man City. You think that she's like, you know, this the grease on the business deal wheel? I'm just, I'm just saying that she has, she has a relationship. Uh huh. Yeah. And she, I, I think Carly Lloyd could help make something like that happen. She wouldn't hurt. I don't think Man City seemed to love her at least in terms of you know, um, publicity what stuff. They got out of her. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm. We know that Red Bulls fell through, mm-hmm. right? There was an offer on the table. Carpet got yanked out right the last minute, a few years ago. I'm just saying, there's a connection there. I have a whole panel in my apartment with the the string and the and the tax. The meme, the the it's always sunny guy like showing it's, people the yep yeah okay yep Charlie. Just from Carly Lloyd to Man City to Sky Blue. I'm gonna take a picture of your face and put it over his to make us. I absolutely could. That's that's my new conspiracy theory. Okay, is Carly Lloyd went back to Sky Blue to help grease the wheels for a Man City takeover? I mean, speaking of Carly Lloyd, I mean, bringing it back to the game, I thought she was too uninvolved with this game. Not necessarily through, not entirely through any fault of her own. Um. And you know what? The second half of the game, a lot of it was a write-off because the weather just was squalling and everyone's face is so bad. So you could tell, I think, people were kind of conserving their energy and picking their moments. And I definitely saw Carly trying to pick her moments for when she's trying to apply increased pressure and force the ball, you know, out of the midfield or at least keep it out of their defense. But this, there's this thing where Seattle was really pulling to one side. They were like pulling to their right which was opening up huge space for Rapino on the left, but then they weren't able to to hit her with the ball out in that space. But, and they were, as they're pulling right, Lloyd is out on Sky Blue's right side, so Seattle's left, and she's kind of getting isolated out there. She's not digging in, getting involved with the play. I think two things had happened. If Lloyd had gotten more involved and they had subbed out Shea Groom sooner, they could have 
maybe clawed back a goal there. You, you, what you need to watch, uh, if you only watch the headlights, is Kalen Sheridan's double save on the second penalty. That I, I, I did see that uh, gif. I saw that gif. It was a, that, it was a boss uh, move. Why, why did Seal get two penalties? Because it's a new ESL, and fun things have to happen every weekend, or else, <laughs> you know, will it even be the league anymore? Like, I was blown away. I was really confused uh, about the gif, because I was like, wait, no, Megan Marquino scored on a penalty. Oh, and then and then the gift happened. Like the gift came through, and I was like, "Wait, but there wasn't a goal there." It's a new penalty situation. It's like that time I fell asleep in one uh, class and woke up in the middle of the next class, but thought it was still the first class because it was the same subject. Right? It's <laughs> something like that. And so, yeah, I was kind of blown away by the fact that Seattle got two penalties without Laura Harvey. Blacko got two penalties. Vaco got That's two penalties sounds before. like the name of like a folk song. Right. <laughs> Last note, Savannah McCaskill. Some players are just more fun to watch than others, and she's one of those players. I think she's going to be good this season. And if she can develop some of those relationships on Sky Blue and, you know, maybe stop getting shifted around so much, although Denise Reddy really values that utility in her, I think she could have a real good rookie season here. Okay, score predictions, though. So I called this 2-0 for Seattle. You called this 1-1. I at least got the winner right, although neither of us has managed to nail, you know, number of goals yet. So we agreed that's two points for guessing the winner? One point for guessing the correct score. Uh-huh. Two points for guessing the correct winner. And three points for guessing the correct score. Yeah, the whole shebang of bangs. One more game to go. Let's see how this shakes out because it was Portland-Orlando. What did you like about this game? Apparently there was a lot to like if you're a Portland fan. So things that Portland did well. Uh, I think they did well at clearing the ball relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't put their head down going down one to nothing uh, right from the start. Um, I think they did a good job of following up and continuing the attack. I was pretty excited by uh, AMC and her debut. Uh, when she came in in about the 65th, I think it was, um, she added a lot of life, a lot of life to the offense. And I thought that was pretty cool. Unfortunately, it didn't result in a goal, but uh, you got to think that, you know, she's only been with them for a week. Um, and the more she has time to gel, the, the cooler it's going to be. I have a question for you as a Breakers fan. So Anumanu, many times we've said now uh, she seems like a one-speed player, but, you know, she was acting as provider for Serna Gorsevich. Do you think that it's looking like she's coming up to speed, developing more aspects of her game, gelling with the team better? Yeah, I think I think she is uh, developing more aspects of her game. I, I'm not sure if she's... Um, I, I'm not sure if gears are being added or speeds are being added because a lot of what she was able to provide was confidence on the ball during breakaways. Mm. Um, and I do think that her role is really to be that distribution player. Like when, when we do a breakaway, okay, go down, control it, then find AMC in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Find sync in the middle. And so I, I do think that we are seeing development. It's going to be you know, four or five more games before we see gelling actually happen. Mm -hmm. So on the opposite side, 
first of all, that Christine Sinclair tap in, I think that was rough in terms of Orlando defending. Yep, it absolutely was. Marin's like, she's on to Christine Sinclair's back, but the ball drops to Sink's foot. She just taps it in past Harris. It's not great. But this is, what, two games in a row now that Lindsay Horan has uh, really wowed people with a long-range strike? I, yeah, it was, I don't, I don't have words. I mean, it was, it was nice, um, but it it was. Here's a question for you. I want you to evaluate Lindsay Horan's performance in this game in terms of what it could mean for the national team and her position as a midfielder. Oh, boy. Um... So her performance in this one was really something that uh, I think we're able to see her being a controlling tent with the, these bursts of, of offense. And, you know, I've had a few folks uh, make some some comments about, you know, Allie Long was our number 10, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think Lindsay Horan has potential to be a, a real number 10. Wow. Um, in the sense that she can pull out those long range shots. She can, she can effectively play uh, to the assist and she can be this powerful player who comes up and helps out uh, in times of need. But then on defense, she is critical. She is absolutely critical to the defense of the, of the thorns. So I think giving her the opportunity and the um, empowering her in defense is exactly what what is needed there. What do you think of Alex Morgan? I know earlier on, at least, she kind of, she dropped a little, which allowed the two forwards to her sides to kind of pinch forward and allows her to act more as a provider. I I do think that that's a role that she can play well because she's so much more of a complete player now. But but I guess the other, the other part of that equation, though, is if Alex Morgan doesn't drop behind her, that's, uh, what was it? It's Weatherholt, Naren, and LaRue. And do you trust that triangle to allow Alex Morgan to push higher? Or do you drop someone like Alex Morgan who has good field vision and awareness and like a feel for the ball to provide for Obogagu and Kristen Edmonds? Well, I mean, Alex Morgan wasn't... She didn't have good vision yesterday. Mm. Something something was off yesterday. Not sure what it is, but... Um... You know, I think Tom is playing with a lot of different factors there with, with the squad that he has and different personalities. And he needs to really be working to figure out how do they best work together as opposed to how do they best work in his system. Maybe she was missing her pal Marta. Probably was missing Marta. I mean, how different is yesterday's match if Marta's there? Probably pretty different. I mean, I feel like anytime you say Marta and Alex Morgan, that's a huge game changer because those two are just that pivotal either separately or together it's like voltron right they're, when when you when they come together they're so much more powerful than their individual parts so you heard it here first alex morgan and marta are voltron they are voltron that's <laughs> their new uh banner there honestly if orlando made a voltron banner that would be great i mean i think you probably have to find voltron's like made up of five total but Alex and Marta can be Voltron on their own. I don't know. So. <laughs> At the end of the day, Portland won. Uh-huh. First home match. Uh, it felt amazing. Uh-huh. I'm exhausted. Um, I don't do anything during the match, but like drink cider and cheer. So I don't know why I'm so tired. Um, but uh, looking forward to this next week. 
So what do we got? All right. So coming up, we have actually two midweek games. So first up is gonna be first up is gonna be North Carolina hosting Seattle at home on Wednesday. I think that could be an interesting matchup. What does the forecast look like? The weather forecast in Cary, North Carolina on Wednesday. It's, I mean, they've been all over the place, so yes. It it can't be worse than it was in in Piscataway. Oh, I'm sure it's not, but it I it still has an impact. Let let me look let me actually look up the weather. So, Wednesday, the high in Cary is supposed to be 81, the low is 59, 0% chance of rain and a little bit windy with some moderate humidity. Should be a nice night. I'm sure that'll be a huge relief for Seattle. Will they have Megan Rapinoe, though? She subbed off against Sky Blue in the, early in the second half with what looked like a non-contact injury. Important question. So what, when, when do you think that uh, injury update will come out? About 20 minutes after we post our episode? Yeah, probably. We'll know. Okay, cool. Okay. Cool. So, so uh, to guess the scores, I'm actually going to say North Carolina 2, Seattle 1. Okay. Let's see. North Carolina is didn't have that far to travel because they just played Washington, so it was just a hop up the East Coast for them. I wonder if Seattle's staying on the East Coast or if they went back West Coast and then hop back again. I If I were them, I'd just go from New Jersey down to North Carolina. That just makes more sense to me, so they're probably not traveling that far either. Uh, but I will still call this for North Carolina as well. I'm going to call this 2-1 t- to one for North Carolina. So we agree that that doesn't feel good. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna change this. Uh, three to one for North Carolina. <laughs> okay, that also doesn't feel great. But go ahead. Three to one for me, and you're guessing two to one. We're both guessing North Carolina wins. Yeah. Ugh. It's gonna be the most boring zero zero tie ever. Probably. Great. You're welcome, everybody. Sorry. It's a midweek game. Right. Like if you can have the time to watch that, have fun. Okay, um, and there's another midweek game, which is going to be Chicago hosting the Houston Dash at Toyota Park, also on Wednesday. Ouch. Ouch, yeah. I don't know if Houston's getting out of this, but Chicago has also not been playing great recently, and Houston... Right? Like, this is, this is going to be scrappy. Houston could be the kind of team that can take advantage of that kind of thing, maybe. It's like, they take points where they can get them. You know what? I'm going to be wild. One nothing for Houston. Okay. Um I'm going to say one nothing Chicago. All right. That's good. The, this is going to be the goal fest game. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is going to be the one that's, you know, seven goals. Yeah, all, so all on a Wednesday night fireworks. So I said and... Houston wins by one and you said Chicago wins by one. Yeah, I always go for the home team. Okay. All right. So we've got four more games to go. Everybody just hold on. Breathe through it. Let's let's do this kind of rapid fire style. Okay. Uh, kind Port- of because I got to get on an airplane. Right. Portland at home hosting the Washington Spirit. Uh, three to nothing. Portland. To Portland? Against Washington? Okay, I guess so. Uh, two to one for Portland. Okay. Okay. Uh, next game, North Carolina once again at home hosting Utah. But remember, this will be... North Carolina after they played a midweek game Wednesday. One, two, nothing, Utah. I'm gonna say this is gonna be two, nothing for North Carolina. Yowza. Yowza, yeah, sorry, buddy. Okay. All right. 
Uh, Chicago at home hosting Sky Blue FC on Saturday. Uh, zero zero. You're guessing zero zero. That's a dim zero, view zero. of both of these teams. Okay. Chicago at home, but they'll have played a midweek game. I'm actually going to give this one to Sky Blue. I'm going to... Nope, I'm going to say 1-1 one, one tie. <laughs> How is that different than 0-0? Zero, zero? Well, at least they'll both have put something together as opposed to just, like, you know, sitting there with their thumbs up their butts. Oh, all right. All right. And then the last all game right. of the weekend, Sunday, uh, Orlando is hosting the Houston Dash. 2-1 Orlando. Ooh, okay. I actually I want to agree with you. Two, nope, two nothing for Orlando. I, we, okay. we cannot agree. Sorry, Houston. We cannot agree. So that's six upcoming games, two on Wednesday. Hang in there, everybody. We'll get through this together. It's NWSL season's here. Uh, we're not going to sleep until October. No sleep till autumn. Right? Okay. God damn. God damn. God damn. God damn. Okay. That those are our score predictions. Hopefully at least some of them are somewhat right. They probably won't be because we always make predictions before the injury report is out. Woe is us. Woe unto us. Well, you know what? We like living on the wild side. Kinky. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm.